0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio.
1: How straightforward was your road to having a baby? For some of us, it's like we look at our partners and fall pregnant. For others, it's not so simple. So, what do you do when it's difficult to have a family? How do you cope with endless rounds of fertility treatment and being surrounded by friends with kids? The Bumpy Road is a service aimed at helping women through the more difficult moments of becoming and being a parent. It's run by psychologist and careers counsellor, Belinda Williams, and psychologist, Torna Turl. Ladies, welcome to Kindling Conversation. Thank
0: you. Thanks so much. This
1: statement, falling pregnant isn't
0: always easy, mm. is it? No, look, I think for everyone it's such an individual journey and it happens at such an individual part of someone's life and in the context of of each person. So for anyone it comes at it from a different direction um, and, and generally has quite a different experience of it and that can even differ with your own experience from baby one to baby two, three
1: yeah, that's true because you both work with women who are f- mothers already. Um, Torna, do you find that there are women you're seeing who are struggling to fall pregnant the second time?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I guess personally can relate to that. I had a miscarriage after having one child and then um, became quite stressed after that. So conceiving the second time was quite a challenge. Um, so I think, um, yes, it can be fraught the second and third time. And often people don't know why.
1: And is that something also that's something that's quite difficult? I mean, in your experience as well, because I know with, for example, my mother's group, we all started having our second Mm. roughly at the same time. And then all of our friends are having more children. Sometimes people say things like, oh, well, you've got one. Mm -hmm. That that seems a bit misguided. Yes. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah. No, that's actually something we work a lot on is um, working with those insensitive comments that pop up along the journey. And those comments come out of the mouths of people that we're actually really close to, um, which is what can set us right back. So we find it really empowering, giving people assertive ways to deal with... um I'd love to know what they are. (laughs) Um, Well, I think we all get that, right? Yeah, I mean, let's take that comment. So, for example, you have a miscarriage and and someone close to you goes, oh, well, at least you know you can conceive. Um, And whilst that's meant kindly... Um, it's, it's it's actually not very kind. So things that we might encourage people to say is simply, ouch, that really hurt my feelings. Actually, that was a baby to me. And there are, I mean, there are a range of comments we can coach women and, and their partners around um, from, you know, gentle comments to real zingers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's quite fun role-playing um, those conversations. Because um. that is a thing, really, that's the trickiest for people who are having
1: trouble conceiving, Mm. is that unless you're actually in that situation, Mm.
0: people don't seem to get it. I mean, is that part of the problem, Belinda? Yeah, look, I think people... um their headspace may not be there um, it, you know, in, in your exact situation or even if they've gone through it themselves. Sometimes people, you know, put their foot in it. And often I think it comes from not a place of nastiness or a place of ill will. Often it comes from a place of just trying to comfort and contain, mm. you know, for that person and sort of give them like, okay, well, at least you can have a child or at least you have had one or you've got one or you can get pregnant, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And it's very easy to fall into to that comfort and contain habit um, well. because it's yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been found myself doing that at times and then proactively going oh that was really insensitive and and, and actually apologizing you know, in the moment but i guess you know in my experience even coming from putting my foot in it at times i try and explain why i said that you know i i, I oh this is a hard conversation and i'm really sorry that that's happened to you sorry i was trying to make you feel better and you know, that obviously did not make you feel better. Oh, that was really insensitive. So I think um, context often gets lost for both sides, to be honest. Mm. I think, you know, the person who's had the the trouble conceiving or miscarrying comes at it from a place of extreme pain, often an extreme grief. And they um, often don't know what is the helpful thing to say. And sometimes they don't want you to say anything. They just want you to listen and maybe a hug or a Pat, or and that's, um,
2: yeah, and that's another thing that we work on with um, women on this journey. It's how do you navigate those conversations and, and communication around infertility, which is quite stigmatized. It's quite uncomfortable to talk about, and for women going through that, they can become quite
0: isolated because it's they withdraw often, you know, because they don't want to have any of these sorts of conversations or so they don't know what would make them feel better. Um, so withdrawal and isolation is is a really common protective thing that that we do. And I, and I guess back to looking at the other side of, you know, when people are trying to comfort you, they're coming at it from a place of, oh, gosh, how do I keep this person safe in this moment? How do I keep myself safe in this moment? I don't know what to mm. say. I wasn't expecting that. And so they can jump in without maybe even had that experience themselves or even if they have had that experience, it just comes out of the mouth. So anyway. what's
1: your advice if you know that a friend is mm-hmm. struggling for, with fertility? Let's mm-hmm. say they're trying for their second. They might even be trying with their first and you've already got children yourself. Mm-hmm. In your experience, Tawna, would you say that someone, if someone had said to you after your miscarriage, look, I really want to help and support you, I just don't know how, do you want to talk to me about it? it, it would you feel comfortable with
2: that question? Is that a good way to approach it? Or I'd love that. Mm. I found um, real comfort in sharing my story. I was lucky in that a good friend of mine, we miscarried at the same time, so we were able to connect quite intensely on this topic and journey. But that's a really lovely way to handle Cause this.
1: Because we are so often assume we should know. And mm-hmm. if we don't know, then maybe we should – I was kind of hearing from what you said, Belinda mm-hmm. – maybe we should just ask.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they can say, look, I don't know what I need right now, mm-hmm. but maybe let's just have a cup of tea and talk about something else. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. a person just, might say, "Like I don't want to talk about it at all. Or I don't know, it, it's just a really average situation and I just feel terrible.
1: So we all, as pregnant women or women generally, are used to once we hit a certain age, getting insensitive comments about fertility, about babies, when we're having a family, when we're pregnant, all that sort of stuff. You mentioned that you have some ways that you um, coach women to deal with that, Mm. appreciating that we all have our different levels of comfort and what we say to people. Do you have any examples of what? women might say?
2: Yeah. So, um, we get women coming in. Yeah. Responses, responses. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's important to mention up front the kind of comments that people come in upset about on, on an infertility journey. Um, things come up like, um, you should have tried earlier, um, or, um, you work too hard. Um, he's just such a stressed person. And that stuff is so easy to, to slip out of your mouth. So yeah, we work around helping people handle these things assertively, encouraging people to say things like, that really hurt? Or how am I supposed to feel? having You having said that comment, how, or how, how do you think that makes me feel? I know that might seem a bit confrontational, but it just encourages the other person to Reflect on, on that
0: comment, the comment, which can be quite invalidating. I think what even it helping um, coach the other person through it. like when you say that, this is how I feel. So hearing you say that hurts my feelings or makes mm-hmm. me feel um, like I'm to blame. Um, and what I would really prefer you to say or um, what's a little bit more helpful to say is that have a little bit of compassion or or not even in such a confrontational way but like maybe just um, try and be with where I'm at right now And, and right now I'm not at a point where I'm trying to kind of point fingers I'm just trying to sort of get through this feeling. So I, I think that can be quite constructive because you're, you're letting the person know what chord they've hit and then how they can approach it you know, in, in a different way because often people walk away from those conversations not knowing that they've put their foot in it. So then they'll keep on saying it as well. So I, I, I think as much as you don't want to necessarily fall into an educational role, that can be quite um, an empowering way to do it and, and quite a soft way to do it, just reflecting that that made me upset or that made me angry, that made me confused. And it is a teaching
2: opportunity. Like we've talked about this a few times. Like we said these things all the time or thought them before we had children and now seeing the other side of it, it's really empowering having these discussions and viewing it, um, your response as a teaching opportunity is really mm-hmm. empowering. we even using um, humour. And being
0: funny. In terms yeah. of, oh, yeah, I'll just you know, pl- throw in my career, you know. <laughs> easy enough, yeah. said and done <laughs> totally. or... You know what I mean? It's or I'll just, I'll just switch in another partner. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the way to go about that. <laughs> or, if, or if someone said
2: something like, oh, um, well, at least you can conceive if you've had a miscarriage and saying, well, well, yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I, yes, it does mean I can conceive, but it doesn't prove I can carry a mm-hmm. baby. And that, that's what matters to me right now. And it doesn't have to be angrily said. It just needs sometimes to be said. Sometimes it doesn't need to be said and, and knowing those contexts like when it's appropriate and when it's inappropriate Mm -hmm. when you're navigating these kind of conversations some people just can't be emotionally stable or available to you and that's quite disappointing so it's it's figuring out who can be and what you know you want from various people.
0: And you often find people being strategic about who they're who they're um, engaging with on these topics because they become more aware of you know who's who's possibly going to be able to be on their team and and who's not. So I think knowing that and thinking about that um, creating a list of who's on your team yeah can yeah. can be um, help you feel safe. What do you advise women who
1: might be struggling with fertility, and then all of their friends are having kids mm. and it's painful for them to mm. attend those celebrations or
2: days when there's lots of kids around. Yeah, we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Giving ourselves permission not to attend those events or to opt out, for instance, maybe going for 10 or 15 minutes and setting some boundaries around how you want to be communicated to. For unexpected pregnancy announcements, that can be a little bit more challenging. So we've kind of worked on different strategies to um, manage those in the moment. And sometimes it is just having a long smile And then taking a couple of breaths and inviting that person to share a bit more detail around their pregnancy while you collect your thoughts without losing your cool. And things like managing birthdays, managing Christmas, just giving yourself permission to not attend or not answer um, phone calls. Because there's a weird tension
1: with that too though because mm. on one hand mm. you want to protect yourself but I'm sure many people even then still want to mm. see their friends and connect with their children even though it hurts them.
0: Often it helps to um, have those open conversations with your friends if you can, do you know what I mean? And, and this is why when we work with women it is all about what's going to work for them and the same thing may not work for every person. Mm. But um, absolutely having a conversation with a friend that you know is also trying that or you know that has just fallen pregnant and saying I just find this really difficult Um, you know we've been trying for a really long time and I know you you may get pregnant soon or okay here you are you're pregnant Um, I am happy for you and I really want to be happy for you but I'm finding it really hard and this is not about you and where you're at it's just more reflection on me and you know the disappointment that I'm experiencing right now so maybe can we talk about it in this way or catch up about it in this context or would you mind if we you know talked about some other things today And, and I think I think whilst that may set sort of some people off, I think over time people gradually realise and I think the most important thing for women is to protect yourself First, and you can do that in a very proactive way as, as well as in a, a silent sort of way as well. So it's managing the expectations of people around you if that's feasible, mm-hmm. um, and if it's not feasible, then I think it's really important for you to put yourself first and then deal with the collateral as it comes. Because if you continue to put yourself in a situation that's very triggering for you, you may respond or react in a way that you know you don't want to, um, or at least you're compounding the emotional anguish that you know you may be feeling at that time. So protection of self and your emotional well-being is, is number
1: one. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I am speaking with Belinda Williams, who's a psychologist and careers counsellor, and Tawna Turl, who's a psychologist there with The Bumpy Road. They're a counselling service which is specifically catered to um, women going through the parenting journey. And unfortunately for many of us, that parenting journey does include infertility. You can desperately want a second child. You can desperately want a first. And while all your friends are having children, you have to try and navigate your way through not falling pregnant. So imagine that part of this conversation is, I've heard women say anyway, that their bodies have let them down, that their bodies have failed and Mm -hmm. they feel somehow like, they're not doing what they're meant to be Mm. doing. And that's their fault. Mm. Belinda, is this something that you find women say to you?
0: Mm. It's a very, very common question when people are having difficulty um, with with pregnancy and conception. And I think even beyond difficulties with pregnancy and conception, it's human nature. When we experience a challenge, we often then judge ourselves on top of that. So it compounds it even further. And I think that could be not any more true than in the, the case of conception when you know we're trying and, and it, it's somewhat often an invisible process you know we can't sort of always see insides we don't really always have the answer as to why things are not working so we're operating in a world where we don't know much you know what I mean? and there's a lot of unknowns and so we kind of try and cling to you know um, I guess what we do know and failing that we think, okay, well, we're a failure. So it's very common and I think it's important to help women reorient to, okay, well, in this process, we know that there are lots of things that you can be doing in terms of stress maintenance, lifestyle, exercise, um seeing specialists, arming yourself with information. These are the things that you can control. So let's start out there as a starting point and, and see you know, what confidence that can build you know, in the process. And, and often information is, is very powerful mm-hmm. and empowering. And from there, you can often proceed to a plan of action. So I think in some, most women feel most vulnerable and more commonly blame themselves when they're often operating in a vacuum of not knowing. Um, that's not all cases, but I think um, um, often
2: women in this situation, um, when they're having that thought that they're, fail- they're a failure, they're not sharing the responsibility of conceiving with their partner. If they have a male partner or if they have a, you know, whatever um, kind of partner they have, sharing that responsibility is really important because infertility is uh, explained by many Things. And it can be female factors, it can be male factors, it can be a combination of both. So as Belinda mentioned, like, information is power. So if you're in that cycle of conceiving and it's not successful – Just having kind of a a reflect on that, um, how long you're going to go on that journey and talk about um, maybe consulting a fertility expert and and getting some more information around that because there's actually a lot that you can do to improve fertility and um, Belinda and I've kind of had our eyes open to this um, in working in this space. And what about, you mentioned then
1: sort of allowing your partner, whoever that is, to take responsibility How much do you find that women are struggling with this on their own and they're not feeling like they can share it with their partner? Because I know that in my pregnancies, it wasn't until the babies were born that my partner really understood what was going on. Bless him. I mean, he knew that he was pregnant, but, you know. Um, So is it something that you encourage women to do is to talk to their Mm. partner – Whatever relationship they're in, Belinda?
0: Yeah, I think that that's key. and often, um, even though the partner might be there or might be at the scans, it's a process that often focuses very much on the woman. It's really helpful to have that connection with your partner where you're explaining your experience of it, you're explaining your understanding of it, you're explaining your expectation and your needs, and sharing that as well because often um you know, the other partner who's not going to to be carrying the baby, doesn't have their needs understood or doesn't have their understanding or their perspective sort of considered. So I think it it goes both Ways that it needs to be a process where you need to proactively engage with each other mm-hmm. and not assume uh, or not make assumptions. I guess that you're very clear on what the the other person's going through or their situation or their needs or their fears. And we see that so many women have enhanced well-being when they're able to sort of take that step together as part of a team. Mm-hmm. Because often when you have fertility challenges or conception challenges, there is um, negative emotions um, in play, and sometimes they're quite hidden and suppressed and not explored. With your partner but building that sort of team together can be very um, empowering and supportive and the woman can often experience far less isolation um, and improved levels of well-being.
2: I think there's no more important thing to focus on um, if you have a partner on this journey just to nurture that relationship. There's a beautiful book written by Dr Alice Doma and she talks about the impact of infertility on couples and there's a line that says she says it robs couples of their sensual and spontaneous sexual intimacy so we work with couples on that like setting boundaries around how much you're going to talk about fertility and how mechanical you're going to be about sex because all of a sudden it becomes something productive rather than fun and sexy. So that's kind of a, an exciting conversation to have with couples. I think ending on a high note, sex,
1: <laughs> we might wrap it up there. But ladies, thank you so much for coming in. Thank no you. That psychologist and careers counsellor Belinda Williams and psychologist Tornatel from the Bumpy Road. We'll have links to their website up later this afternoon. Just head to kindling.com.au.